It's, it's, it's absolutely true that this is the greatest time to be alive for God's people. And I felt to share this prophetic word that I've sh- I shared with our partners, and again, in a few the last uh, uh, few weeks, a few different places I've been. But uh, I believe it was September the seventeenth. I was just kind of, just kind of meditating, not really uh, inquiring about anything from the Lord. And the Lord told me there's a coming shaking and a resulting storm in this nation, which has not yet been seen in the United States of America. While the shaking will be seen and experienced in every sphere of society, the storm coming to America should not be my people's focus. And uh, that's, a, that's a key phrase right there because just uh, biblically, the, the, the seen and the unseen, uh, most scholars believe, and I believe it too, that the human heart and the human eye was supposed to see from the seen and unseen and what was unseen was supposed to determine what was seen. And so uh, the point of that is we're, we're taught to, to react by everything we see, feel, and think. And your, your senses are not bad things. They're God-given. They were just not meant to govern your life. Uh, you know, uh, writer of Hebrews says, when your senses are fully trained, you can discern both good and evil. But the point being, and, and what we'll focus, I believe the focus of even this weekend is learning to position our hearts, not only corporately, but personally, to not react to the world around us, but to react to the revelation of the Lord. And we take the revelation of the Lord and we apply it to our everyday world. So, uh, and, and uh, not to be funny, but uh, the, the COVID shutdowns across the world actually identified in a lot of our hearts what we really believed. You know, if you had to change what you believe because of a situation in the world, then you might have not really believed what you thought you believed. And uh, it's, it's actually true. Uh, a, a self-deception that is easy to identify is in James, right? He says, the one who hears and does not do is, is, is opens the door for self-deception. And so we, we want to be people who hear and do. And uh, we, we know that that process is a process, but not uh, something that happens overnight. But to not hear, I think one of the great tragedies is to hear and never do. That's a, that's a great tragedy. You, you, you lose, the, the, in a sense, the, the currency of the word of God in your life. And so, and uh, my people should not be moved, uh, should, the, the storm should not be my people's focus. Rather, the focus should be on the purpose for which I've called my people in the middle of the storm. And then the Lord emphasized the following to me. He said it to me, I think, at least three times. My people must not be moved by the storm, but rather by my voice and divine purpose. My people must not be moved by the storm, but rather by my voice and divine purpose. And, I, and I'm just thinking back to actually that first week of the shutdown and that, that weird feeling that I felt on the inside, just kind of, when I say weird, I'd never sensed what I sensed in the globe when I was feeling that. And uh, I, I just went before the Lord, a good person to talk to. He knows everything going on. And, and I remember he said to me, he said, this does not change what I've spoken to you. 
and, and, and you, would, you, you would be challenged with that at moments when you saw different things that we, we never saw in this nation. And seemingly, it's, it's, it's actually really true. The, the world has never been the same since that shutdown. But he said to me continually, my people must not be moved by the storm, but rather by my voice and divine purpose. My people must not be moved by the storm, but rather by my voice and divine purpose. And then this was really encouraging. For the Lord says, I will do an accelerated work through my people that will supersede anything I have done on the shores of America. I will strike the ground in the United States of America and cause the prayers of the saints and previous and current generations to be answered. In Isaiah 11, it says that the voice of Jesus, and we know we are the voice of Jesus in the earth. You got one? Okay. (laughs) Think about this. God never says anything he doesn't want to come to pass. You should never say anything you don't want to come to pass. So, So... the, the, the point of that is he strikes the earth and the earth changes when we capture what he's saying. You know, Second uh, Chronicles 7, right? The, the, the famous, uh, and it's good, you know, it's always quoted in prayer meetings. You know, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, he said, I will hear from heaven. And then he says, I will hear, first, they have to repent. So it's a posture of people's hearts that causes the land to repent. Yeah. It's actually we in this room that have the, 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 the privilege of actually turning things that are happening. This season will also bring a birthing and a manifestation of prophetic words from long ago. It will be a renaissance move of my spirit in the United States. It will be a move of my spirit that will be characterized by the power of God, the glory of God, and the revelation of my son. And then uh, he gave me these keys. Focus, steadfastness, and perseverance are essential to navigating the coming season. And he says, do not lose heart. Great will be my people's fruit and reward in this season. Great will be my people's fruit and reward in this season. And we want to focus a little bit tonight from that context, from that prophetic context, just a bit prophetic context of, of this concept of the watchman. Biblically, and we'll, we'll look at some of these concepts here, a watchman is a guard in, in, in Scripture in ancient Israel. And I like that word guard because it's, it, the, the word guard means to keep from harm or danger, to protect or watch over, to keep under close in order to prevent escape and misconduct. There's actually a responsibility in every believer to guard over that which the Lord has given us. The first command in Scripture was to guard over the garden. The, 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 it, it says in Genesis 2, the trees do not grow and the water did not come up. And he says because a man was not in there, because he designed man to uh, to guard and protect and steward and then increase what God had already put there. So many people's growth, they actually never grow in the things of a God because they never actually steward what's been given to them. Often a watchman who guarded the city kept his eyes open for approaching enemies, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 34. One whose duty was, it, was to keep vigil, often on a tower or a wall, whether for a king... 1 Samuel 14, 16, 2 Samuel 18, 24 through 27, 2 Kings 9, 7 through 20, or over a city. Uh, over a city, Psalm 127, verse 1. 
over, over a field and often at night. The noun meaning in the Hebrew for watchman is, now this is really cool here, it means to look out, to spy, to keep watch, and more literally translated as one who watches. And then, and then uh, a further definition of that, that word is to scout or look out and aware of any approaching enemies. There are many references in the Bible to these watchmen in, in, in terms of uh, natural physical threats, but uh, we know, right? The, the, there, are, there are natural ideas, specifically in creation, that actually express and can, can speak to you about the nature of God. Uh, Paul said the immutable characteristics, the, the, the unseen characteristics of God are clearly seen. Where? In creation. So that's why we, I, I've heard people mock, like, I don't, I don't know how you hear, hear the voice of God. How, you know, you, you, you hear it in a, in, a, in, a, in a pond or something. It's all actually very biblical. Because creation expresses God. And in the context of that creative uh, expression of God, it speaks of God. I don't know. I've been to the Grand Canyon just once. I've been to a lot of places, like, like 30 minutes because I'm traveling usually, and I see everything very quickly. So I think I saw that it's Greg Canyon for two hours. And if you look at it, you're like, truly, God has done something. And I see it in a flawed way, you know? So, but, and he actually says the natural first and then the spirit. So, so natural things in this world, even in their flawed state, speak to you about who God is. Ezekiel, however, was appointed by the Lord to be a watchman for God's people in a spiritual sense. And we just, we want to make this high point tonight that every New Testament believer, how many are believers tonight? Don't be an unbelieving believer. Or don't be a believer who doesn't believe nothing. That's bad English, but right in the South, you know. (laughs) Every New Testament believer has a responsibility to function as a watchman. Every New Testament believer has a responsibility to function as a watchman. And we mentioned part of it, but we'll repeat it. Our responsibility to function as watchmen is rooted in the authority that God has given to all believers in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 verse 26, let them, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Keep watch. Keep watch over his creation. The reason he wanted multiplication is because it would take lots of people under the dominion of God, putting the earth into order as God intended it to be. Thank you for the one amen. And then also this high point, only God's people have been designed to bring solutions, true solutions to this world. Only God's people have been designed to bring true solutions. And doesn't mean solutions can't come from an unbeliever. Uh, you know, I think uh, uh, Elon Musk is a really interesting guy, but he seems to be a fornicator. doesn't seem to, you know, he's had a bunch of kids. With, so he doesn't seem like a godly person to me. You know, I pray that he gets saved, but he's a brilliant. You see the brilliant mind. But only God's people, only God's people have been created to bring solutions to this world. Proper solutions, not temporary. So only God's people can bring solutions to this world. And I I just want to encourage you with this. We are not at a mercy of what is taking place in the world. 
We're not at a mercy in our personal lives. We're not at a a mercy uh, in the lives of what's what's happening in the world, what's happening in Israel. None of those things, none of those things we're we're supposed to be at the mercy of and just hope that we can can have some sort of uh, part in helping God maybe do something of it. I always say this even for individuals. Walking with the Lord is not like going to a Holy Spirit casino. The longer I've walked with the Lord is I love, uh, I really do, I, I, I enjoy corporate prayer, I enjoy my personal fellowship with the Lord, but I'm a person of, what do these things mean? Right. I just prayed in the Spirit for an hour, doesn't mean I'll have an understanding of it, but I go, okay, God, what, what is, what's the on-ramp in my life to facilitate these things? So, Every New Testament believer has a responsibility to function as watchman, and our responsibility as watchman is rooted in the authority God has given to all believers. And only God's people can make sense of this world. Only God's people can make sense of this world. Now, here's, a, here's a, I think, a real foundational piece, which I think most people in this room are probably on this page. Friendship with the God, excuse me, friendship with God is the foundation to functioning in our authority as watchmen. Friendship with God is the foundation to functioning in our authority as watchmen. John 15, you are my friends if you do what I ever command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing. A servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Note, that phrase is really fascinating to me. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. So maybe if you're a servant, think about this. If, you, you know, if you're working as a servant, the boss may ask you to go get a bunch of grapes, but he doesn't tell you the grapes are part of a banquet that he's having. The friend understands there's a banquet and there's an intention. There's, a, there's an intention, right? There's a bigger picture to you just getting the grapes. The friend gets the concept that he's going to a banquet. The servant is simply focused on the task. And it doesn't take servanthood away. We're all servants, you know. And uh, we, we serve people. We, it doesn't take that away. But it, it is the con- we, we actually want to position ourselves, in a sense, and steward our servanthood correctly that the f- master would entrust us with part of at least the master plan. So we want to build our life in that way. We want to position our hearts in such a way where... Uh, the, the greatest uh, desire of our life, the greatest focus of our life is friendship with the Lord. I, um, there was a panel discussion at this uh, meeting I was at uh, last day and a half in Ohio, and uh, lots of uh, seasoned guys in ministry, and uh, they, the younger ministers were asking the older ones and uh, what what would, uh, you know, what's this, you know, some things for longevity? And uh, one of the gentlemen, real wonderful man of God, uh, pastor of church uh, for 29 years, just handed over to his son, and he thought he was going to do something else, and then he got called back to the church that he 
uh, originally got saved and married in. But he, he just made a real simple statement. He said, he, he said I, the greatest lesson I ever learned was to always have my time of fellowship and prayer with the Word of God. And I, and I saw him later that night before the evening session. We were sitting in, in the office in the church. And I said, that has been, uh, I, I believe that. I said, your life, I always tell people, your life will go well if you choose fellowship with the Lord as the greatest priority of your life. Your life will go well if you choose fellowship with the Lord. And one of the things the Lord told me many years ago was especially when I, when I ministered to leaders, he said, tell them to worship more and work less. Oh. Worship more Amen. and work less. And there's, uh, there, uh, I just believe, and I've come to know by experience, there's just certain things that you can only learn in your personal fellowship with the Lord. Amen. And there's a pleasure there's a pleasure. David talked about there at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And there's a pleasure in knowing God. I started spending intentional time with the Lord because I, I, I made a commitment to do that. And uh, I was trying to, very, many years ago, just like, I know I need to do this, so how do you do this? And, it, it, and, I, and I learned in that posture of surrender and even in that discipline of staying uh, in intentional fellowship with the Lord, I discovered the joy of the pleasure of walking with God. Amen. Westminster Catechism, right? Westminster Catechism is basically to ask questions theologically. And of course, the, 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 the great question, you can Google it. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. Yeah, forever. And it's certainly not, a, not an earning thing because, you know, you, you really start learning some stuff about what's really in your heart. You know, God calls David the man after his own heart, knowing full well in his heart he had adultery and murder. So just because you're friends with God doesn't mean it keeps you from never doing evil. You got to choose that one on your own. But don't make David your model. Make Jesus your model. <laughs> Please don't make David your model. <laughs> it's encouraging for us, you know, if we've made some really bad choices that God forgives us, but that's not the model. Amen. Pastor Chad said amen to that, and his wife said, yes, and slap him. <laughs> But there's this pleasure in walking with the Lord. And we, we come to know certain things, don't we? I remember the first time I went for prayer ministry, inner healing, deliverance. I don't know what they called it. I just know I needed help. You know, <laughs> They started asking me all these questions many years ago. I started asking me all these questions. And I thought, I was like going through my journal. I was like, oh no, the Lord dealt with me that a year ago, two years ago. Because things come up. The humblest, one of the humblest as you can be is the continual turning to God. It's hard to keep any sort of arrogance when you're talking to God. 
least I have found it. And then things come up, you know? Things come to the surface. It's not that you don't need other people sometimes to get unstuck or to work through healing, but to, I don't think I've ever mentioned this publicly. I actually told this last night to this man because it so shocked me about seven years ago. I was flying home from Omaha, and I remember I was really tired. And I, I remember it was Omaha because I was looking out the window, and it's like snowing, and I go, please, I don't want to be stuck in Omaha for the night. Not that Omaha's not a nice place, but I didn't want to be stuck in Omaha. So, uh, and just out of nowhere, I wasn't thinking about it. The Lord said to me, he said, the re- I've never had to send anyone to correct you because you've always judged yourself. I thought, how do I judge myself? You judge yourself when you stay in the presence of the Lord. And it's, it's, it's not that he doesn't know all the dysfunction, right? It's like he takes you as you are because you're righteous, right? The moment you got born again. And it's like, as you grow in fellowship with him, the road gets narrower of what is uh, acceptable from the Lord in your life. Because he's like, yeah, that thing you thought that was funny all these years, that's not really funny. And that comes from a wound that you have. So let's work on that. But it's that positioning that brings you into this place of friendship, and friendship is the door to secrets to God. The Lord confines in those who fear him. He makes known his covenant to them. Let's just pause for a moment. Lord, are there any secrets you want to share with us tonight? Whoa. Whoa. Hmm. Thank you, God. Just encourage you, just if you're able to, just write that down, whatever the Lord's given you. Whoa. And I bless you tonight with Psalm 25, 14, that the Lord would confide in you because you fear him, and he will make his covenant known to you. The Lord will confide in you because you fear him, and he will make his covenant known to you. And Lord, um, 
we recognize our need for you, God. And we recognize, God, that you are, uh, you have chosen to need your friends in the earth. So, Lord, we tune the ears of our heart to hear you and to know you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So it's like we're walking on the earth, right? And we're walking on the earth that God has given to the sons of men. And it's in that place of friendship. He's seated in heaven going, I want to do this over here in Martinsville. Really want to do this. Really want to pour out my spirit in that city. Really want to unlock that city. Really want to set people free in that city. But if my friends on earth are bound to their own agendas about me or don't want to listen. And just between you and me, Holy Spirit, those hour and 15 minutes of service are really difficult to get people to hear anything. So the Lord's looking for friends. And I've learned out of a place of friendship, we, we, we receive assignments from the Lord, particularly of things to pray about, things to stand for, insight and understanding. And we realize that part of our life is to be given in service to people. Part of our life is to be given in service to uh, pray for uh, the lost in our family. Part of our life should be given to pray for uh, those in authority. Part of our life is to be given to pray for leaders, church leaders, whatever it may be. And I find that some assignments are, are like seasonal some assignments are, are for life. But if, if there's not people functioning in their assignments, the purpose of God and the will of God is not moving forward in the progress that God intends it to move forward in. God will hold us responsible for that which he has placed in our sphere of influence. I remember one time praying this is many years ago, and um, I saw all these faces, just faces, not bodies, and all these faces, and seeing all these faces, I, I just knew that these were people who had God's attention. Like, when they said things, God was listening, and... Uh, She's agreeing with me. <laughs> yeah. 
I know she's agreeing because my daughter talks like that. So. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, you know, kind of when you're in these visions, it's like, who are all these people? And the Lord said to me, these are people, they're not very well known in the earth, but they're known in heaven. They're known in heaven. And I wrote down, or somewhere along the line, I thought to my mind, I said, it's much better to be known in heaven to be famous on the earth, you know. And there is, uh, there's something else that the Lord really spoke to me about this season. He said, there is a revelation to meet the challenges of the day. That means there's wisdom and understanding from heaven to meet the challenges we face personally, corporately, and in our nation. There's understanding. There's a way to do it. We don't have to try and like hope, have a prayer meeting hoping that we're praying for America and hoping it works. We can actually have effective prayer that breaks through. On just a small scale, uh, just for me, I remember... uh, I don't remember all these kind of years, the last number of years seem to run together, but uh, they were trying to bring back certain very uh, restrictive mandates. And I remember driving, it was January of a certain year, and I was driving, and it had like snowed the night before. I'm driving to uh, South Carolina, and the Lord just said to me, he said, you can turn back what they're trying to do. I said, well, how do I do that? He said, just decree. So every day, I just began, Lord, ungodly restrictions on people moving around and mandates and this and that. So our ability to, a function, to function as effective watchmen is by choosing to position ourselves in the authority that God has given us. To be born again is to be from above. We've said this weekend, we're on a mountain today. When Jesus spoke to his disciples and gave him the command to disciple nations. He was standing on a mountain and he says, all authority has been given to me. So watchmen, a watchman was stationed in a watchtower, a high fortified tower located within a town. Judges 9, 51, 2 Chronicles 26, 9 or elsewhere, 2 Chronicles 26, 10. And it was presumably at a strategic location. Hey, you cannot get any more strategic than every believer in this room. Let me just say that again. You cannot get in a more strategic place to see the world, to see God, and to see world events as God intended them when you're you're in the position that God positioned you in. Luke 22, 69 says, Thereafter the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. One of the beautiful things about Jesus is not only that he was a son of man, son of God, he walked the earth, fully God, fully man. He died as a man for the sins of man because he was the second Adam. He died. He didn't just Hollywood die. So I think sometimes it's like, we just kind of think like, you know, like he just went to sleep. No, he died. He died. I think he went to hell. I know some people don't believe that. I think it's in the Bible. But he went to hell, and then he resurrected. Didn't just resurrect, then he ascended to heaven. The ascension is a really big part for us. 
Because what? As he is, so are we in this world. Romans 8. So notice it says, the Son of Man will sit at the right hand of the power, uh, a right hand of the power of God. Romans 8, apostolic teaching. Who is he who condemns us? It is Christ who died, furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. It is Christ who died, and furthermore also who is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. So that's where Jesus is. Then he says, Paul says again, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Acts 2, therefore being highly exalted to the right hand of God. So he's saying Jesus is, then of course, this is of course Paul. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great reward, this is Ephesians 2, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together and raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. on earth, but supposed to have a godly, heavenly perspective. In a very simplistic way, think about how that probably should function. How is Jesus looking at the situation in the Middle East right now? He is interceding, but he's not worried. He's not panicked. Because he says, I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. So what does God do? He always declares the end from the beginning. He declares what he knows is going to be the end. And because he declares it, he knows eventually it'll be true. What are you supposed to do? Declare the end from the beginning. We were singing it tonight. I don't know if you realize the theme taking place. Same thing in your own life. What would God do if he lacked money? Tell money to come. (laughs) That got some of you now. You're like, I'm okay for salvation. I don't know about that. Well, if you're broke, you're probably thinking more about your brokenness than your unsaved relative. (laughs) But we want to... So we want to position ourselves. You're like, how do I do that? First of all, we want, to, we want to look. We look not to what is seen, but we look to the unseen. For what is not seen is eternal. For what is not seen is eternal. What is unseen? The Word of God. What gives you a promise for your situation? That's just a, at, a, at, a, at a personal level, but then a corporate level. There's a word in Scripture that you can look to. This is the end from the beginning. This is, this is my current state. You don't deny your current state. You go, yeah, I, I've been challenged. This is difficult. This is challenging. But here's the other thing. I give all the burdens of my challenge over to Lord because I was never meant to carry him. Those aren't mine to carry. My shoulders were never big enough. 
my spirit, my soul were never meant to carry any of that stuff because God was always supposed to be my source. But if I'm the source, I'll carry those things. And sometimes as Americans, we don't think we're responsible unless we have some burden. Now, I'll talk a little bit later about having God's emotions. We can have God's emotions. That's important, but there's a difference between having the emotions of God, feeling God's compassion, feeling his uh, love and, and, and insight to a situation, then taking it on upon ourselves. Big difference. So we, we want to begin to see from God's perspective, and then we want be, to begin to ask God to give us, I was, I, I, I've practiced this for many years, what is the challenge? What's the challenge in your life? What's the difficulty? What is the thing that is out of place, that is out of the will of God? If it's a child out of the will of God, then what is the promise that God has given you there? What is the, cha- what is the challenge in your ministry, in your family, in your workplace? What is the challenge that is there? And then what is the promise that God has given you? Because there's always a heavenly perspective to it. And begin to picture the word of God coming to pass. Some of it might be quickly. Some of it might take months. The important thing is you have a vision as a watchman over your life, over your family, over whatever responsibilities that the Lord has given you. Where is it that the Lord wants to take you? Nations suffer when watchmen do not come into the position that God intended. Look at Isaiah 56.10. His watchmen are blind. They are ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. <laughs> Scripture is really plain. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, and loving to slumber. So one of the points I want to pull out of that is this. An effective watchman is defined by its sight. An effective watchman is defined by its sight. An effective watchman is defined by its sight. A watchman who can't see properly is ineffective. So we could have all authority, you know, praise God, that's a good one, you know. I'm more than a conqueror. Remember last week, there's, I just I already said where I was. I don't like saying that, but they were singing, we're, you're never going to let us down. You're never going to let us down. And the Lord said, half of them don't believe what they're saying. So we can claim something, but we want to live in the reality of it. Right? There's always this place of promise in our current experience. So an effective watchman is defined by its ability to see. And so revelation, obviously revelation that doesn't go beyond the word of God, but revelation is essential to, to, to function as a watchman. Now, you can't make revelation happen, but you can position yourself to receive it. One of the prayers I started praying is, Lord, 
Is there anything you'd like to tell me that someone else won't listen to right now? Any secrets you have? <laughs> Sometimes you just focus on what I told you to do. You're not doing that too well right now, so just focus on that. <laughs> but here's some characteristics of a heart that attracts revelation. And you'll, you'll see this in the life of Daniel. A heart that will do whatever God says. A heart that will do whatever God says. Daniel chapter 1. Obviously, they want him to eat certain food. So Daniel chapter 1. Again, he's probably just a, a young teenager there. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating food and wine given to them by the king. Now, this is really, really key, not only as a believer, but to function as a watchman uh, for me, is that you must determine, not in your own strength, but by the grace of God, that you will have a determined heart. Many times, uh, working with leaders, sometimes they're like, I don't know, you know, I might give up. I just, you know, I might shut that thing down. You know, like I got like three people left and nobody likes me and all this stuff and all this. And all that stuff, I call it the, the top of the iceberg. And I always tell them, what you need to really determine is, first of all, go back. Did God really speak to you? Because if he did, he's the one who called you. And if he didn't tell you to stop, don't stop. But here's something you really need to settle in your heart. If you don't believe or you're not sure you need to be there, those people are not going to want to be there. So you need to really determine in your heart you're in this for the long haul. Decisiveness. A determined heart. That's anything. A business, something you thought the Lord told you to do. But a determined heart is a heart also that, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. What you do, do quickly. And God is gracious. He'll work with you if you're still trying to distract him. Did I really hear him in that? I'm wondering that I, you know, he'll work with you when you're at that. But then as we, we kind of grow into these things, he doesn't want you to wait eight weeks to obey him in certain things. Because you want to accelerate that work of tracking with him. You want to keep tracking with it. So that's a, heart, that's a heart posture that attracts revelation. It's Psalm 112. His heart is determined. Be determined in your heart that you're going to live by the word of God. Be determined that. It, it, I, I've learned walking with the Lord. It is, it is a, a courageous humble, bold person that walks by the word of God. And you'll have to guard your heart from all sorts of pain and propaganda. And I was telling the story last week I hadn't thought about in a long time. My dear friend, uh, uh, we had stood, he was about my age at the time, beautiful worship leader in Maryland at a church I had a close relationship with, and he had cancer. We trusted God. Whole church, fasting and praying. The Lord told me he's going to be healed. And he transitions to be with the Lord. 
you got an opportunity right there. A lot of people devastated. It's okay to recognize your devastation. But are we going to change our approach to God because we've experienced disappointment? I never have made a pledge in my heart. Never will blame you. I'll never blame you. Never blame you for what I don't understand. And I don't want to change the Bible to fit my personal experience of what I think to be true. A heart that will do whatever God says. Second thing, a heart positioned to reject any and all evil. A heart positioned to reject any and all evil. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. These little little things. You ever noticed that as believers, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about this. We know it's a process, right? To become mature in the things of the Lord. It's a process, right? And then we use these other terms, though, for sin, like they fell into adultery. No, that was a process, too. Same process to maturity. Starts a little. And I want to encourage you to be quick to never entertain anything outside of the Word of God. And get it out there. Common spirit of the age is, well, maybe, maybe God did give concessions for two men to get married. Or two women to get married. You know, they're really nice people. It's a little leaven that tries to infect your heart. Someone told me, you're closed-minded. I said, yes, I'm born again. Very closed-minded, close to a lot of things that are not in Scripture. They try and brand you a certain way. Seducing spirits of the age. So be aware of those things that try and creep into your... Beware of subtle offenses. that don't become so subtle after a while. Beware of the walls that we have against people. Because, right, you're, you're this watchman. Now, this is how God sees you. You're supposed to be part of his governing authority on the earth. Part of that person that God shares secrets with. Part of that person that God wakes up in the middle of the night, three months before those guys went and wrecked havoc in Israel and go, pray, because there's people that are going to die in about 30 days, and pray that when I visit them in the dream, they'll surrender to me. But if our eyes are not seeing correctly, if our eyes are not aware and living in the context of our responsibility, Some of the purposes of God are not fully functioning in the earth. 
It is possible to have a generation of people on the earth who are not fulfilling what God asked them to do while they were on the earth. A heart position to reject any and all evil, Proverbs 4, guard your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flow the springs of life. And I just thought about that, how the enemy has these little lines that makes us victim of sin. They fell. That was a long fall. I don't mean to mock it or cast dispersion. I'm just saying it's also a process. Number three, in a process of conversion to childlikeness, what does that mean? That we're, we are, we're experiencing Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. The original language is, and he restores my soul, right? It is, he has restored, and he is continually restoring my soul. That means we're in this process where we're realizing that any and all pain and trauma that we've experienced, any woundedness, any place where we lacked affirmation, any place that, whoa, you know, we, we, we're still walking around this way. We're in this process of allowing, identifying it, identifying the lies, because your heart is a garden. And in Matthew 13, the sower sows the word. So there's a good word to replant your garden. The challenge is, the challenge is we all have a bunch of trees that are already harvesting in our hearts. And so we got to replow, and God's done that, given us a new heart, but those trees are still functioning in the new garden. When you got born again, your thought processes did not automatically change. Now, the difference is you got the bells going off when you're thinking in the wrong way. You know, I, I do this great couple. They, they're apostolic leaders. And I said, well, tell me. I'm always curious. I like people's stories. Tell me about how you got, when you got born again. Like, oh, we were hippies. We were literally living in a commune. You know, we, we, you know, we weren't married. You know, we loved each other, but why get married? You know, that, that so, like, religious thing, you know, get married, you know. Obey God, you know, it's so out there. So they go to a meeting or they go to something, they get born again in a Bible study, and they're living together. They go home and smoke pot. They love Jesus smoking pot. But, like, within 24 hours, they go, I don't know why, but I think we really need to get married. They got married. They go, I don't, I don't think we should do this anymore. <laughs> you know? What's happening? Still got trees. Now they got something that says, you got to cut down some of those trees in there. But the heart that attracts revelation is the heart where the root systems of the old garden you had in there are consistently being plugged up and are no longer there. Now, the worst form of uh, positioning of the heart is the people that don't believe they have any trees there. Yeah. 
I want to suggest to you, if the man after God's own heart had trees, so do we. Now I say this, I, I'm not looking, not looking to find what's wrong with me. You walk with the Lord and he'll give you little nudges every day. So in the process of conversion to childlikeness, I want to read that because this is, I love this. Matthew 18, about that time, disciples came to Jesus and asked him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put, him, put the child among him. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn. Now, now, this is so interesting how the New Living Translation, some translations put it as conversion. I think, you know, both of them are equally valid. But this translation actually tells us unless you turn from your sins and become like little children. Children who have not been abused, who've not been traumatized, they will naturally, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, go do this. But often in this world, right, maybe we don't have a parent that affirmed us. Then we go to school to a teacher that didn't affirm us and then taught us a certain way so you know they could get the end of year grades and you know they were doing their best but they 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 taught you 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 couldn't be good at that and then and then the coach told you you couldn't be good at that and then you know you got the stuff that you begin to internalize and they form the boundaries of how you think and then now you're living in this restricted place and then there's holy spirit comes to god thoughts demons come to ungodly thoughts and so you have all these places where sin now has encroached the garden of your heart. And so God needs to teach us how to become like children again. Amen. And I've learned that's a heart that attracts revelation. Amen. So anyone, and he says this statement, who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Is the greatest. Is the greatest is the greatest. One of the, one of the, the, the measures of that is uh, the quick submission to truth no matter who it comes through. You know? Amen. Little boy stands up. I just believe we're all supposed to come forward and lift our hands to Jesus. Okay. But then there's people. And it's saying more about them. Final one is agreement with prophetic destiny. Agreement with prophetic destiny. The sons of Israel were handicapped in a moment of victory because they saw themselves incorrectly. And part of what a religious spirit sponsors is to hamper people into not believing what God could do through their life. Yes, 
ultimately, we want the position of our hearts to go, it's not me who does the work, but the Father in me. That's, he's the source, but they were going, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And really, and really, often what that is, is a religious way of saying, I don't believe God would do this for me. I believe one of the signs of maturity and true identity is believing what God can do through you and his partnership. Here's a final one. Effective watchmen function as a bridge between God and man revealing God. Effective watchmen function as a bridge between God and man revealing God. 1 Samuel 2 verse 35. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and my mind and I will build him a sure house, and he will walk before my anointed forever. That prophecy is about Jesus, but I believe it also applies to us. I read that verse many years ago, and I thought, God, you describe yourself as having a heart and a mind. Let my life be an expression of your heart and your mind, God. Effective watchmen function as a bridge between God and man revealing God. Here's a final one we'll, we'll leave off here in the morning. Effective watchmen often receive insight into God's emotions about a, a situation. I think it's one of the characteristics of truly functioning watchmen in the earth. You actually begin to, in your own heart, sense God's love and compassion, whether it's for people, whether it's for God's chosen people, whether it's for drug addicts, whether it's for whatever it may be that maybe is in your sphere or authority that God has called you to do. One of the things I've always asked God for people is that when I stand before people, let me have your heart towards them. Sometimes that gets challenged. Me, not you. So you want to think about these things tonight. And uh, we'll come back in the morning. I don't know where my wife went. She leave. I, she might have had something to do, but um, she'll be ministering in the morning. But we'll begin tomorrow morning by just uh, unpacking some of that. So think about some things that stood out to you. Any questions that you might have? And um, did you receive something tonight? Sorry, I just jumped into. I just felt this urgency to minister just what the Lord had given me for tonight. I want you to pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord.
Lord, I pray for your people tonight. Lord, I thank you that we have the privilege of receiving your heart and your mind. So let us be that bridge, God. Mark us in being that bridge from heaven towards earth, releasing the will of God. And I pray, God, for a release of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Would you just lift your hands? I just keep seeing this. I bless you with the Holy Spirit marking today to stand in the place of authority that God has called you to stand. To stand with ears to hear and eyes to see. I bless your heart to be guarded with all vigilance, that by the strength of God that you would have a guarded heart. I bless your eyes to see what you've never seen. I bless your ears to hear the right insight that you'll know in walking as a governing ambassador on the earth. I break you free in the name of Jesus from anything unclean, any witchcraft, any manipulation, Anything that has ever tried to, that ever clouded your heart in receiving correctly from the Lord. I bless you with strength. I bless your hands as hands of miracles. I bless your body to be whole. I command your body to come into alignment with the will of God tonight. I cancel that pain in your shoulder in the name of Jesus. I cancel that pain in your right knee. Cancel that any issue in your heart. I release a divine unlocking to you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I bless you today in Jesus' name, Jesus' name.